Providing for your family is a top priority. But what happens when you need affordable health care? Christian Healthcare Ministries could save you up to 40% today. As a member, you can choose your provider without network restrictions. Sign up at your convenience with our anytime enrollment. Join a Christian community that supports each other's medical expenses, offering peace of mind as you prioritize what's most important. Enroll now at yourchm.org. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The Shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. The former president, current frontrunner for the Republican nomination, faces further criminal charges for his alleged role and attempting to overturn the 2020 election. His opponents using that indictment to take shots at the former president ahead of the first Republican debate hosted by Fox News. He did not run out of the White House and say, put me in front of the cameras. Let me tell those people, stop being violent up there. We shouldn't do it. No, he didn't do that. He sat, ate his overdone hamburger um, in, the, in the White House dining room he has off the Oval Office and enjoyed watching what was going on. Does that sound like somebody who, you know, was concerned about anything other than keeping himself in power? On that day, uh, president asked me to choose between him and the Constitution, and I chose the Constitution, and I always will. On the congressional side, the two chambers in recess still talks of a government shutdown are on the rise as the House and Senate will have to sit down in September and negotiate passing appropriations bills that Democrats and Republicans don't seem anywhere close eye to eye on. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel, Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief for USA Today, Susan Page, former chief speechwriter for President George W. Bush, member of the Wall Street Journal editorial board, Bill McGurn, and Fox News senior congressional correspondent, Chad Pergram. Chad, you lonely up there? No, not really. Uh, you know, Brett, uh, you know, the August recess really isn't a recess. It's often a state of mind. Um, we had a pretty busy week here last week with the Devin Archer uh, closed door transcribed interview. And then, of course, the indictment of former President Trump, um, his court appearance. And then, of course, a major security scare up here. Uh, they thought they had a, a, a gunman in the Senate office buildings. Turned out to be a false alarm. But to those of us who've worked up here on Capitol Hill for a long time and been through the riot and many of these other scares for decades, uh, including covering the congressional baseball shooting, it, it, it was something that was quite real. So uh, we've had plenty to do up here and plenty to worry about, uh, even though it's the August recess. Beware the Ides of August, as I always say. Right. But on the September negotiation that is yet to happen, uh, is there a real chance that we're facing another fiscal cliff here? Absolutely. Uh, the government has to be funded by the 30th of September. That's the end of the fiscal year. Uh, the House has approved one of its appropriations bills. In fact, they were going to try to do two before the recess. And this was pretty low-hanging fruit here, trying to pass the agriculture appropriations bill, and Republicans could not even get together on that. Here's the problem. Uh, Kevin McCarthy can keep the government open 
with a coalition of Democrats and some Republicans. But if he goes to that well again, keep in mind that he you know, passed the debt ceiling bill with a larger group of Democrats than he had Republicans, and the conservatives and the Freedom Caucus have not let him forget that. If he does that again, that's a problem, uh, just to keep the government open on an interim basis. Now, it may actually be good politics for Kevin McCarthy internally to kind of engage in this brinksmanship and show the right, oh, I'm fighting for you. He has some members of his conference, uh, Bob Good, Republican from Virginia, who says, you know, a government shutdown is really not that big a deal. And it seems like every so often, Brett, and having covered some of these going back to the mid-90s, this is when we had the, the big trio of government shutdowns between Newt Gingrich, the Speaker of the House, and, and, and President Clinton in 1995, that you have different groups, waves of new members who come in, and they all want to dip their toe in this government shutdown water and see what, what happens. And so the chances are quite high that that happens this time around. The funny thing about it is, is the government always reopens and the side that, that pushed everyone to the brink very rarely gets anything that they ask for other than maybe some political points back home for shutting down the government or staring down the president, the opposite party, or fighting to hold spending or whatever. That might, you know, that might resonate in the polls with them back home, but it doesn't do much to keep the government open. Yeah, you can remember uh, Senator Ted Cruz and overturning Obamacare uh, did not right. happen. Susan, um, as you look at the presidential race that is forming, we're getting ready for our first debate uh, in Milwaukee. It is tough to see how these opponents crack through what has been pretty much an unbelievable lead by the former president in spite of mounting legal troubles and 78 counts criminal charges against him so far. Now, who, who knew being indicted over and over again could be a political asset in a presidential campaign? But that's what it's proved to be for Donald Trump. His standing has gotten uh, firmer and bigger, not smaller and weaker. Uh, and it's as though there's nothing else we can talk about. Uh, you know, these ca these candidates, some of them have some other issues that they'd like to talk about, but they face questions like, if elected, will you pardon Donald Trump if he's convicted? Uh, so Donald Trump has taken, Donald Trump and his legal problems has taken all the oxygen of this campaign. It's a campaign that's being waged not on the trail, but in the courtroom. Yeah, and Bill, some of the responses are that, you know, it's a two-tiered system of justice. These are the Republicans saying, you know, they, they see how the former president in their eyes and in the eyes of some GOP voters could be a sympathetic figure. But running against that and figuring out how to mark your way in that environment is frankly pretty tough. It is. I think the debates are the first opportunity to do something. And unfortunately, most of the scenarios benefit Donald Trump. One is they could all turn on each other. And with uh, Mr. Trump not being there, he gets a kind of hover above it. And be we don't beyond. know that yet, officially. I just want to point out we don't no, know that we, yet, officially. We, uh, <laughs> if he does, if he sits it out. Or if he sits it out, they could spend their time of talking about him, which again makes him the focus of attention. I think if I were the Republicans, I would try to figure out how to use the debates to keep the focus on Joe Biden, because that is the only unifying thing in the Republican Party. And uh, it's so easy to get lost in the politics of Donald Trump. And Republicans, you know, Chad, seem to be getting lost, if you will, 
on the politics of Hunter Biden. And this investigation obviously has made some headway. They are seeing different things, the Devin Archer testimony, the transcript being released. It was significant, but it was almost the eye of the beholder, what they saw in that transcript. Um, it's going to continue, but is this enough to, to make the case for moving forward with impeachment? Not quite just yet. Uh, this will be about the math. They have a narrow majority uh, in the House of Representatives, only four seats there. There are 18 uh, Republicans in the House who represent districts that President Biden carried. Uh, you talk to some of the most conservative voices, Byron Donalds from Florida. They say that they have the goods here. This was enough. Uh, you talk to Andy Ogles, who's a freshman from Tennessee, who says, if there's not movement, I'm going to reintroduce uh, a resolution, a privileged re resolution, which has to come directly to the floor to impeach the president. Greg Stubbe, Republican from Florida, said the same thing. So how is Kevin McCarthy going to you know, finesse this when you had Lauren Boebert, the Republican from Colorado, just a couple of months ago, try the same thing? And if you don't have the votes, how many times can Republicans go to the well? And did they overpromise? Again, I, I want to go back to what what these members are hearing and reflecting in their 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 base their base voters back home. You know, they're pushing for this sort of stuff. So even if they don't have the goods on Hunter Biden, let alone the president, if they talk about investigations and they say there's a little more smoke uh, from that gun, perhaps, uh, you know, that might you know help them back home. But at some point, I wonder if that dam is going to break, that they have overpromised to Republicans saying that we're going to have the goods, we're going to impeach the president, we're going to impeach the Homeland Security Secretary, we're going to impeach Merrick Garland, and they don't do any of that. Maybe it's just enough to throw all this mud at the wall and say, hey, you know, we're, we're busy investigating because they sure have problems legislating, frankly. Uh, but at some point, does that come back to get them? Because they promised the farm and they don't have much to deliver. And this is why Democrats can say, Look, we think the economy is getting better. We can point to, you know, achievements by, you know, President Biden on infrastructure last year or, you know, the, the social spending bill, the IRA, et cetera. Uh, they can point to those things and say, we were busy doing these things. What were they doing? Trying unsuccessfully to impeach the president, uh, shutting down the government, having chaos in a speaker's race. And that plays to the Democrats' hands and just not the Democrats' hands, but those middle voters who see nothing but chaos from Republicans, and that probably helps the Democrats in the end. Panel, we'll hold it right there. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Susan, I guess, though, there is a sense that it just does not look good from what the White House said about President Biden's knowledge and talking about those businesses to what he actually did on the phone calls at a dinner uh, and while they haven't tracked down all the money, there is money and there are whistleblowers 
and basically it doesn't look good. Um, yet, is it breaking through? Well, you know, I think the testimony from the IRS whistleblowers was pretty powerful. It seemed like uh, people, they seemed like actual whistleblowers, not like political players. But the problem Republicans have is that there is, as of yet, no evidence that Joe Biden actually did something wrong, that he actually intervened in his son's business dealings or that he that, that he sold access or influence uh, to foreign by I mean, there's no question Hunter Biden is a hot mess. Uh, and has done any number of things that has gotten him into legitimately into trouble. The question is, did Joe Biden do anything? And as of yet, Republicans have nothing that they've been able to prove. Minus, Bill, the firing of that prosecutor in Ukraine. I mean, that yeah, I, I, kind of has a, slight, a little bit of a direct link. Yeah, I have a slightly different take. Uh, we don't know Joe Biden ever took a dime. But we sure know he abetted his son's business things. You know, I was in the White House when I was there. If if I had a child that called me about business, that I, I, I would maybe take the call and then I would go home and say, never do that again. Joe Biden did it many times. He had people, his, his son's foreign clients uh, visit him. And let's remember in the debates in 2020, he categorically denied. He did it several times. He like uh, said totally untrue, denied the son got money from China. Um, and again, Hunter Biden just admitted in court that did. I think uh, Joe Biden is going to be impeached. And I think it's pretty clear this was a, a corrupt scheme, whether or not he took a dime. I think um, to abet all things, and also the people that have accused him have not changed their story. It's the White House that used to say, absolutely, never discuss business. Now it's never was in business. You know, I don't know what it's going to be tomorrow. And remember, Jack Smith indicted Trump on lying to the American people. I think um, that standard may come back to haunt Mr. Biden if the Republicans move on impeachment. Yeah, it's fascinating, and, and we'll see. We'll follow all sides of it. Last thing around the horn here, Chad, the economy uh, depends on who you talk to, but it does appear that it's heading towards at least a semi-soft landing. Inflation is coming down. Unemployment is still low. Um, Consumer spending is still up. In that environment, Republicans hammering the economy have a harder time. Yeah, absolutely. It does take a little bit of time, about six to eight months uh, before the public starts to notice that the economy is better. Gas prices here in August and late July have started to go up again. Some people have pointed to that, you know, because that's an everyday you drive down the street econometric reaction that you get. You see what the, the price of gas is. And, and if you drive long distances, you, you register that. You register that if people are driving on vacation in August. Um, but you're right. If the economy starts to get better and, you know, Republicans, what they campaigned on was trying to get to the bottom of some of this business with Hunter Biden and, and President Biden and then also the economy that undercuts them. Uh, and this is where Democrats could turn back around and say, well, we passed the what was it called? And it was much maligned at the time. But again, get down about, you know, six, eight, nine months down the road, the Inflation Reduction Act. And if there is a perception among the voters, which I'm not convinced of yet, but if there is a perception that that somehow helped 
and the Democrats are associated with that, well, that probably gives them a boost. Again, it depends on those voters in the middle. And if, again, they see, you know, not a lot of legislating to help everyday Joes back home from the Republicans in the House, uh, that probably hurts them in that in that respect, especially if the yeah, economy Susan, continues I mean, there's to a, improve. There's a full-throated defense of Bidenomics uh, from the White House. <laughs> the president's been out on the stump uh, talking about it. And they're saying that there is some data to suggest it's heading in the right direction. It is a tight line, though, how people feel at home and what it means, you know, with interest rates going up and what your car payment and your house payment, all of that adds up to what you feel at the kitchen table. Yeah, the economic numbers now look better than the economic sentiment scenes. People are more skeptical about whether the economy is actually about to to uh, to have a soft landing. Uh, it has long been almost a mythical aspiration that we seem to be in the middle of. What's frustrating to the White House is the lack of credit to Biden that he's getting from voters. His, his ratings on the economy continue to be quite weak. Now, they say give it some time, uh, let voters understand that the economy really has gotten back on on good and solid, solid footing. But but so far, Biden isn't reaping the benefits that Democrats say he deserves. Not at all, Bill. I mean, the the you look at any poll, his numbers are way underwater when it comes to the economy. Yeah, um, you go back to George H.W. Bush, and um, you see that um, uh, when he was um, when he was running for the election, the economy had started to recover but he never got credit for it. So I think Susan is right. There's a general uneasiness. If there's no recession, uh, I think he's really helped. If there is, um, and they say it's less likely now, um, then I think he's he's hurt. But so far, he's skated along top. There's still troubling signs, like gas is about $1.50 more a gallon than it was um back when he took over. So I think he's not out of the woods yet. All right, panel, thanks so much. Now for a bit of history. On August 8th, 1968, then-candidate Richard Nixon was nominated as the presidential candidate for the Republican Party. Six years to the day during his second term as president on August 8th, 1974, facing growing evidence in the Watergate investigation, President Richard Nixon announced that he would resign from the presidency the following day. 12 p.m., August 9, 1974, Nixon officially resigned. Vice President Gerald Ford ascended to the office of president. One month later, on September 8th, in an effort to move the country past Watergate, President Ford issued a full pardon to former President Nixon, protecting Nixon from any prosecution for his role in the scandal. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Susan, Bill, and Chad, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.